Fantastic. Small groups, the heart of our church. Uh, encourage you to be part of it. It's good to be with you today. Seems like ages since uh, we were here. In fact, it is ages since we were here. Um, but uh, anyway, it's good to be back. Uh, we picked a nice weekend to come. Once in a 500-year storm up here and uh, typical Whangarei weather, is it? So uh, it's a nice welcome anyway. So uh, it's good to be here and, and catch up. And uh, it's exciting what's happening, isn't it, to come out of lockdown, but good things come out of bad, and uh, double services, so uh, that's exciting. Our city campus gone to double services too, and it's really working well for them, and uh, our online uh, church is going well, that's come out of the lockdown as well, and uh, there's been, you know, just a lot of little gems like that, and I guess in, uh, you know, a time of anxiety and concern in the nation, uh, it's just great to see, you know, just things flourish and birth out of the Spirit. And uh, just a, a while back there and said, you know, like, let's make this year a year of generosity. And, uh, you know, we knew it was going to be tough and, and some were struggling. So let's minister in the opposite spirit. Yeah, let's minister hope. Let's minister generosity. Uh, let's minister faith. And uh, so to uh, be able to support those uh, that were within our own congregations that lost their job or lost their business or something. And so we established the COVID fund and Pastor Mike would have been talked to you about those and you know, it's about $120,000 has been given in from our members to uh, that fund, and uh, we're uh, passing that out to those that are in need within our congregations, which has just been fantastic. And then uh, we wanted to bless our Elam churches through the nation, and uh, some of them we felt, you know, could also find it very difficult through the season, maybe struggling with their mortgage or something like that. And uh, so uh, we put $150,000 into Christian Savings Bank uh, for them to loan out to any of our churches that were maybe struggling. Um, you possibly don't know, but uh, as a church, we have a 10% shareholding in Christian Savings Bank. So uh, it's a way that we can bless and help our churches. And so it's a way uh, we could do that nationwide. And then a lot of our missions trips got cancelled and uh, because of no international travel. And so we thought rather than just consolidate that money, let's spend it, let's give it to the, uh, to the different um, uh, folk on the fields that we're working with, like Bangladesh, Pakistan, India, and Vietnam, and places like that, and uh, and so that's been like a huge plus. Pastor Mike uh, Griffiths from our city campus oversees our missions program, and he's been communicating, uh, finding what the needs are out there, sending money across to them, and uh, no, that's just been a huge thing to be able to do. So it's great, isn't it? Like out of tragedy, out of bad things. You know, we, uh, to those that we were involved with. You know, often in life we make or we don't make decisions depending on the resources that we think we, think that we have or we do not have. And uh, do I have enough money? You know, do I have the skills to do this? Do I have the resources to be able to make this decision and to move on? But as Christians, there's another factor that we need to consider, and that is, do I believe God? And I love Abraham, learned so much about faith uh, from Abraham. And the scriptures tell us about Abraham was the thing that was that Abraham believed God. And uh, what God is concerned about uh, above anything else is not so much what we have, but what we believe. And uh, I don't care really what you do, uh, but if you do not believe God, if you do not believe in him, then you have missed what faith is all about. And so in the early church, long before they were called Christians, they were called believers. I think it's a great name, uh, isn't it? Uh, they were known because of what they believed. 
And so what you believe and in whom you believe determines above anything else really about where you are in life just right now. You may go to church, you may do all the Christian things, uh, but what you truly believe will release you into God's supernatural purposes for your life. You, you will make decisions on, in life on what you really, really believe deep down inside of you. Not so much what you uh, say or do or anything, you know, or we, uh, but what you truly, truly believe deep down inside of you, that's the core belief is you will make decisions according to that and that will determine where you go. Roads in life and if you know the story of Moses, he'd been miraculously saved uh, by his mother. Pharaoh put the order out for all the babies of the Hebrew people to be killed and, and so she put little Moses in the little basket and floated him in the Nile and he got saved by Pharaoh's daughter and uh, brought up in Pharaoh's palace. And then after a while then, as he got older, uh, an incident happened. He ran away from, in fear from there. He ended up living in the wilderness. And now God comes back to him to rekindle that destiny that is over his life. And to deliver, the destiny was to deliver his people from slavery. And uh, so God comes back to him to rekindle that again over him. But it was going to require a change in Moses' belief. And so you've got your notes there in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1 to 5. God appears to Moses uh, through this burning bush. And uh, Moses comes across and God speaks to him and says, And Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, Throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses in his hand. This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So Moses here, he's talking about to God about, you know, whether the people will believe him or, or not. But so belief was really, really uh, important here. Uh, but there was a bigger problem, not with the people, but with Moses. And so God sets about here to teach Moses about believing. He teaches him through the staff that he's holding uh, in his hand. See, what's in your hand is really, really important. The things that you've been through in life, the lessons that you have learned, the skills that you have obtained, the things that you believe, they are far, far more important than what you don't have. And I just want to Take a few points out of this passage here this morning just so that uh, apply it to our own lives and things that we're going through in our own lives. And the first thing I want to suggest to you is that you need to stop running. You need to stop running. God asked Moses, what is in your hand? He's holding the shepherd's staff. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it turned into a snake and he ran from it, the Bible says. Moses threw it from the ground, he ran from it. And then God says, now reach out your hand and pick it up by the tail. See, this had been the pattern of Moses' life. Whenever things got tough, he ran from it. You know, he ran from it. When he, when he was afraid of Pharaoh in Egypt, he ran from Pharaoh. And uh, when the stuff from one thing, where do you stop? You'll just keep running from everything. It's a reflection of what you believe. And so when are you going to stop running? You've got to stop running. You've got to face what you have to face. You have to deal with what you have to deal with. Because if you run from Pharaoh, then you'll run from the serpent. And if you run from the serpent, you'll run from love and you'll run from life and you'll run from responsibility. And you're going to run, run, run. When are you going to stop? When your studies get tough, just run from it. You know, when your boss is difficult, you run. 
When your marriage is struggling, you run from it. When, when your pregnancy is inconvenient, you know, you escape. You go and get an, an abortion. It's a life of running. I just love it when we have couples that come up for countries and uh, you're like, they've been married for 50 plus years. And what an example. They never ran when there was a problem. We got anyone here that's been married for 50 plus years? Anyone here? Yeah, we got a few here. And uh, Marilyn and I. You, you can't tell me that they haven't wanted to run at times. You know, you look at those blokes, you know, man, they're not easy to live with. And uh, we're, Marilyn and I, we've been married for 52 years. Uh, and uh, Marilyn knew when she was onto a good thing, eh? So I felt like killing her a few times, but never divorce. See, money may be tied and the marriage may be struggling and the kids may be playing up, but you know that this time next year you will still be there. Lock yourself in so you cannot run. Psalm 57 verse 7 says, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. David the psalmist, he's writing this. My heart is fixed. What does that mean? Well, guys, you understand what this means. You say to your wife, it's a nice day today. I might go fishing or I might go and have a round of golf. And she says, I want to go shopping. And so you go shopping and uh, why you know well I said I might want to go fishing or I might want to play golf but her heart was fixed so we went shopping Abraham Lincoln said he wanted to paint his house brown and his wife wanted to paint it green so they compromised and painted it green and so you know you lock yourself in so you don't run the Lord is saying to Moses Moses you'll never be Moses you'll never be great You'll never be who I destined you to be if you don't stop running from stuff that scares stuff that scares you. You're running from things that I'm trying to work out through your life. And the Lord said to Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And Moses thinking, I'm scared and I'm running and now you want me to pick this thing up? And you kind of visualize this, you know. How, how many of you want to pick up a snake by the tail? They tell me that you're supposed to pick them up from behind. Now, we're not like Australians. They have everything that wants to bite and poison you and everything, you know, there. We don't do that here. But God can call you to grab some stuff that you are scared of. He says, take it by the tail. And the Bible says here that he poured forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe. See, Moses is saying, God, I would do it, but they might not believe me. Yeah, right. You know, what he's really saying is he's imposing on them something that was coming from him. See, when you've been saying they, it might really be you. They won't accept me. They won't love me. They can't use me. They won't embrace me. Well, you'll never get anybody to embrace you until you embrace yourself. You'll never get anyone to love you until you love yourself. You'll never get anyone to believe in you until you believe in yourself that they really might be you in disguise. You need to stop running and to face your fears. The second thing I want to suggest to you out of this passage here is what is in your hand? What is in your hand? Now God says to him, I want you to go speak for me. And he says, they will not believe me. Now notice God doesn't even answer. Doesn't, even, doesn't take any notice of what he's saying there. He just doesn't even answer him when he says they will not believe him because he believed that they was just a reflection of what he's thinking about himself. So God says, well, come on in. Let's see what you got. What's in your hand? See, the Sunday morning, before you look anywhere else, before you look to anyone else, you need to assess what you've got in your own hand. See, you, you can overlook what you've got in your hand. 
you can overlook the destiny, the potential of what you've got in your hand. Someone else could take that very same thing that you've got what's not in your hand. God says, I don't need anything that's not in your hand. I don't need somebody that's not in your world, that's not in your life. I'm going to use something that is already in your hand, but you don't value it. See, the other voices that have been talking to you and telling you what's not in your hand, God doesn't need that to bless you. The blessing is hidden in what God has already given to you. See, the problem is that you just have a limited perception of what is in your hand. You look at what God has given to you in your hand and you think it's just a stick. It's just a wooden stick. It's just past experiences. It's something that's dead. It's something that's useless. It's something that is of no value in my life. And God says, I want to show you the potential of what is in your hand. Throw it on the ground. See, this is a powerful thing. Because if Moses doesn't learn this in private, it's going to mess him up in public. He's going to have to take this rod and he's going to have to sticks turned into snakes. He's going to have to throw down his and it turns to a snake and eat up the Pharaoh's uh, uh, magician snakes. And then he's going to have to stand at the Red Sea and hold up this rod and the seas are going to part. And, and uh, if, if he doesn't learn, if he doesn't have confidence in, in private, he's not going to have any power in public. See, God never wastes anything in our life. He never wastes any experiences in our life. You only have to look where Jesus uh, fed the loaves and the fishes and he said, now gather up what's left over. God doesn't waste things. Life skills that you have are transferable. I was self of keeping time and I start on time, morning tea, 10 o'clock, 10 past 10, back down to work, 12 o'clock, half past 12, back down. I learned the disciplines. I learned them real quick. It only took me one month. Because if I didn't do any work, there was no checks the next month. I learned real quick. When I went into ministry and we started the church and the church office was in my garage in the basement of the house, I didn't need anyone standing over me to keep me working and, and, and you know, encourage me to work. I'd already learned those disciplines, put those disciplines in my life when I was working for myself. Those, dis- those skills that I learned working for myself were transferable when I came into ministry. Pastor Mike Griffiths, he was a top secondary school teacher before he came into ministry. No wonder he is one of our top teachers, preachers uh, today. See, you've learned skills over the year, and you, you may not even realize or, or value, but they are valuable assets in your hand for the next step that God has got for you for your life. And so God allowed a crisis to come into Moses' mother's life, and so she had to release a little baby. You imagine how hard that would have been for her, but she had to release a little baby and send him out to the unknown. He ended up in the courts of Pharaoh, and under, uh, living in that culture of leadership and rulership and, and, and with the most powerful nation on the earth at that time. Because there were things that God wanted to build into Moses' life. He was to be a deliverer. He was to be a leader of his people. Moses' mother could never teach him those skills because she came from a generation of 400 years of slaves. She lived as a slave. She thought like a slave. She'd never known anything else any different. There were lessons of leadership she couldn't teach Moses because she had spent her whole life living in a slave culture. And so Moses, he learned to carry himself as a leader. He learned to think leadership. He, knew, he learned how to handle people and, and direct the affairs of a nation. Uh, growing up in the courts of Pharaoh, there were skills that he learned there. But then God allowed another crisis to come into his life. Moses had to run from the palace of Pharaoh and out into the wilderness, and he became a shepherd because there were lessons on being a shepherd he could, that he needed to learn so that he could shepherd his people. 
Jesus teaching on leadership said, if you want to great, you know, uh, you need to learn to be a servant. Servant leadership is biblical leadership. He wouldn't learn servant leadership, tutorial leader. He didn't serve people. He used people. And so there was something else that God had to add into Moses' life uh, before he could be the leader to bring his nation of people out of Egypt. See, all of your life experiences, even times of crisis, have lessons that can equip you for the next season that God has got for you. The depth of your past will determine the height of your future. See, you have more than you think you have. The problem is not coming from what they believe. It's coming from what you believe. And Moses held what he thought was just a dead rod in his hand. And he obeyed God and he threw it down and became a snake, a living thing. And he picked it up and it became a rod again. See, whatever is in your hand, as you believe God, you know, you can throw it out there to become something living and alive and powerful in your life to fulfill the destiny, the purpose that God, God, God has got for, for your life there. It's not just a dead experience. It's a living asset. It may scare you, but God says you've got to stop running from your fears and pick it up. See, the problem with most people is see, we want to see our way clear before we pick it up. Faith doesn't work like that. So you've got to pick it up scared, nervous, worried, intimidated, not sure of yourself. You don't, you don't even know what you've got until, until you pick it up. But when you grab it, it changes because you are touching it by faith. And the power of God is released in that situation. And then the third thing I want to suggest is that you need to change your beliefs. Change your beliefs. The reason he asked Moses a question, what is in your hand, is because God is challenging what Moses believes. So I'm not talking about what you say. You know, we all know how, yeah, we all say the right stuff, hey, all the Christianese and so on, but I'm talking about what you really believe about yourself. If you believe you're unlovable, you'll always be unloved. You can dress it up, have a shower, shave, put the brute on, whatever you do, you know, go to the gym, work out, you can say all the right things, you can walk around, think you're cool and all that stuff, you know, but none of that will overcome the belief that you have in your heart. See, these things that you believe, they, they become your vision statement and, in, and, and unknowingly, you know, this is your purpose in life, you're working out those words, those thoughts that you got in your life, it's like your mission statement. You're living out the curse of the words that you've rehearsed over and over in your mind. You're trying, so busy trying to get everyone else to do something that you don't really like. You know, convince someone else that you're something that you don't really believe. And you've never changed your beliefs. You've never been healed. You've never been made whole unless you change the voices that are going inside of your own head. It's like that woman had the issue of blood. Remember the story about there? And she said to herself, she says, said to herself, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I will be healed. It's not what she said to someone else. It's what she said to herself. See, you need to talk to yourself. It's not a sign that you're crazy. When you start answering yourself back again, that is a sign you're crazy, okay, all right. But talk to your mind, talk to your childhood, talk to your dilemma, talk to your crisis. You know, change your story. What you believe makes a difference. And God wants to completely believe in him so that you'll completely believe in yourself. See, you can't get up if you don't believe that you can. The crisis you're going through, COVID-19, whatever you're going through, it doesn't define your destiny. It's time to speak to every negative circumstance and to call it a liar. The Word of God says, I can do all things through Christ. Not by myself, not by humanism, 
not by mind power, not by intellectualism, but through Christ who strengthens me. See, your life stories are unique. They, they are unique. They, if you've got these life stories which are, uh, have built experiences and knowledge and into your life, then added to your life stories is faith in God. That's a powerful combination. You say, oh, I've got so many temptations. I've got so many hassles. Oh, fooey. Everyone has temptations and hassles. You know, you ought to be burned to the stake like the early Christians or fed to the lions. Then you'd have something to grizzle about, you know, and uh, you, you don't know what hassles are. I was watching this TV program, and this guy, he had all these body piercings. He had them, you know, some on his face and some in the skin and tummy button and other places. Look, look, I'm really cool. I got all these body piercings, you know. Early Christians, up to 80,000 of them, were crucified at one stage. They got body pierced, but it wasn't trendy. See, they suffered for the cause of the kingdom of God because there was something that they believed deep down inside of them that no matter what came their way, their minds were fixed. They were fixed on the purposes of God. They were fixed on glorifying God, fixed on making His name known. No matter what they came through, their mind was fixed. And they, they went through it. You know, tough times never last, but tough people do. My world is falling apart. God is still alive and real. Other brothers may run off and commit adultery. God is still alive. Others may quit, but I'm not going to quit. Let me just say to you, you will have troubles. You will have troubles. Everybody has troubles. Because troubles are important in life. The thing that makes you into a great person, the things that make you into a great Christian are troubles. And how you handle those troubles and what you believe through those troubles, through that, and mold and develop your Christian, your, your character to make you into a great person, a great Christian. See, there may be some here today that just have to fix their hearts. You've got to fix your mind. You're going through some stuff, maybe some stuff in your relationships, in your home. You need to again just fix your hearts and fix your minds. Mothers here, here today, that maybe you, you've just fallen and, and, and you, you quit. You need to get up again. Just start walking again. Get up again. Maybe some that are, are just wavering on an issue and you just like need to fix your mind again. Set that destiny, that direction, that that calling that you know you've got inside of you that, that you know you were going to do those studies you were going to go and achieve that thing you were going to go and do this task you need to fix your mind again and get moving towards it maybe you need to look again at what's already in your hand not talking about what's not in your hand you know what you haven't got but look about what's already in your hand it's a valuable asset that God has given to you to help you to fulfill your destiny Amen. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the great examples that we have through the men of faith, O oh God. And Lord, I just pray, O oh God, Lord, for each person here. Lord, we know this is a season, O oh God. There are great seasons. There are summer seasons, but Father, there's also winter seasons. There are seasons when there's great depth that goes on in our roots and, and, and there's a great work that's done in our life so that when we move into the next season, we can flourish and blossom. I pray, O oh God, do that work of grace in each of our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.